Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Today we've got two special guests that uh, Greg and I are very excited to welcome back to the show, Chris and Elizabeth Hardesty, who are two of the therapist counselors that are on staff here at Faithful and True. And you may recall hearing previous podcasts where we had Chris and Elizabeth on, and we're excited to have them back today. How are you guys? Doing well. Doing well. It's good to be back. <laughs> yes, thank you, Randy. You're now. I'm now going to put you in the capable hands of our host, Greg Miller. All right. And we are glad that y'all are here. And for those of you that have been listening, you may be aware that um, in the month of January, we have been focusing on this idea of legacy and understanding um, our stories and our past and what we've inherited, and also looking towards the future of what it is that we want to leave. What What do we want our legacy to be to the people who come after us. And so we are very excited for Chris and Elizabeth to be here. Um, They are a part of the Faithful and True team. They are therapists here on staff. And so we're going to begin by just reflecting a little bit about our own experiences, because one of the things that we experience and believe is that um, we are shaped and formed by our families and the impact that they have on our lives. And we also want to acknowledge that all aspects of our life, the things that happen in the family and the things that happen outside of the family are formative. But specifically, we want to talk about the legacy that um, we have been left and the legacy that we want to leave within the context of the family. So just to kind of open it up, what what do you think of what comes to your mind when you hear the word legacy? I think for me, I think of legacy as uh, the, the past, the present, and the future. And so in recovery specifically, you know, really trying to understand the past in order to understand where I'm at presently. How, how did the formative piece that you talked about, Greg, how did, how did I end up where I am now as who I am now, right? And then uh, that understanding then can be, we can capitalize on that really to affect the future and what, goes, what, what happens mm-hmm. downstream right. at that point. I would I would resonate with that as well. I just think legacy is so much about what's my mark, you mm-hmm. know, what am I doing with my life, and and uh, what what am I going to be leaving behind? Absolutely. And one one of the things I'm I'm aware of is we leave a legacy whether we are aware of it or not. That um, sometimes the legacy that we leave is an unconscious lack of awareness in how something was done or approached. Um, or it can be something very intentional. And in my own experience, what I'm discovering is that intentionality is essential in order to leave a more positive um, legacy, that, that the lack of awareness many times leaves a legacy that we don't intend. Mm-hmm. And so for some of us, it's simply becoming more aware of the impact that the past has had on us and how it will um, impact the future. One of the things that we talk about at both uh, the men's workshop and the women's workshop here at Faithful and True is understanding um, the family rules. And we talk about the fact that some of these were spoken or unspoken, um, but these were guidelines. These were expectations. This was kind of a way that the family functioned, um, like I said, in spoken or unspoken ways. Um, what what are you aware of? What are you discovering as you consider the, the family rules that you grew up with? I can speak first to that. I know for me, um, this was quite a process mm-hmm. of kind of looking back and thinking about my family of origin and being so thankful and grateful for so many things. And, and some of those family uh, rules were mm-hmm. were very formative in a positive way for me. And 
um, we're raised by humans. And so some of those also were not. And I think one thing for me that stood out and that I really had to wrestle with was a rule around um, not really talking about our struggles or mm -hmm. feeling like we, you know, we, we just painted a more of a rosy picture. It just seemed like we talked about positive things, but it was harder to really be honest in mm -hmm. our struggle. One thing about that was around like mental illness where just those kind of struggles, they were, um, they were more done in secret. Mm -hmm. When, when you first heard the idea of family rules, did you immediately start identifying them or actually was the concept kind of new and challenging to understand and it even took you a while to begin to identify them? I would say, I would say the latter. I think mm -hmm. for me, it was, it was a new concept to kind of wrestle with of, uh, you know, I, I, I just didn't see it. You just live it. You, that, mm -hmm. That's your life. That's what you live out. And then you just grow up. And I don't think I even realized um, what those rules were that were in place and, and how they impacted me. So it did take some time for me to really wrestle with what were those rules that were not explicit, mm -hmm. but were more just kind of the undercurrent of our family. Do you have any memories or an awareness of maybe specifically being told, like, um, we don't talk about difficult things? Or was it just a matter of, in reflection, you began to realize there was a pretty consistent pattern that we didn't talk about difficult things? I think maybe more so of a pattern, and I think just it, it, it wasn't explicit. It wasn't mm -hmm. said. I think a lot of it was just for me. For some reason, I took that on. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that there were certain people in my family that they were more open to sharing those. And I think because they shared so much of their own struggle, I felt like I don't want to add more to that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to share mine and add more burden. And so I just I learned, I think, over time, I just... I just keep that in. Mm -hmm. Well, and what's interesting is kind of what you're identifying is it's not just one family rule. It's, a, it's about how all of the family rules come together. So another one that I, I might be hearing is there was a family rule about don't be a burden. Mm -hmm. You know, I know absolutely that that was one of the rules that we grew up with is nobody wanted to be a burden. Nobody wanted to be too much. So uh, you didn't ask for too much. You didn't have too many needs. You didn't have too many requests, because you never wanted to be perceived as a burden. So it makes sense um, as you're looking, even if at times you felt permission to share more, um, there was another family rule that kind of stepped in and, and limited your ability to share. Yes. Yeah. How about you, Chris? What, what are you aware of? Well, what strikes me is that the family rules um, in a lot of ways are passed down generationally. Mm -hmm. So there's a generational, a generational aspect to this this uh, idea of legacy for sure. Mm -hmm. And so in my own uh, recovery, part of what I did was, you know, I went to interviewing um, great aunts, older great aunts that were still alive and, and trying to get a picture of what did this look like as you go up the family tree. And I uh, was able to even trace some things back five and five and six generations, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then I was able to kind of see how things then cascaded down from there and landed in our own household. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting too that, you know, each time there's a marriage or a union between two people, there's a there there's a culmination of family rules, mm -hmm. right? So you've got this set of rules from one uh, family and, a, and another set from, a, from another family, and then they come together and somehow they, you know, they form a new set of mm -hmm. family rules, but there's still remnants or elements of the old former family rules that, that came down the family tree. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that's a, I think it's important to understand that it, that this didn't just happen 
uh, one tier up in the family. Mm-hmm. This has been these are things that have been going on for years. And to your point about awareness, I think really being able to increase and heighten our awareness of what did these rules, roles, dynamics look like, even as you go up the family tree. So it just to me, it just heightened my awareness and understanding of how I got here mm-hmm. and how I, how things sort of how the dynamics in my own in my own household formed and what that looked like. Just a, an example for my own family was, you know, I what what I what was modeled to me was just kind of an um, an, an Ill, inability to to really regulate emotions, mm-hmm. and so or even even to express emotion. Mm-hmm. So I saw kind of a pattern that I saw along the way was we're gonna. We, we know there's a lot of uh, tension. We know there's a lot of, there's anxiety. We know that there's all kinds of things at play, but we're not really talking about that. Mm-hmm. And again, kind of to Elizabeth's point as well, like there's a lack of communication around these issues. Uh, instead, we're stuffing those things. Mm-hmm. We just stuff them away. We just pretend like they don't exist necessarily. And what I have come to believe is that what began happening within different individuals in the in the family is just a, more and more resentment around just when we talk a lot here about needs, mm-hmm. you know, and really unmet needs because we're not able to express what's bothering us or what's on our minds. And then that would result in, you know, explosions mm-hmm. from time to time. And it, it would come out, uh, but it would come out in a very, un, uh, very unhealthy way. And, and that just led to more and more damage. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, it could have been different I also have to say, I, I don't think we do the best we can with what we have. Right. And I'm not sure that the, the individuals involved knew better. Right. Like, again, looking back up that family tree, you emulate what was modeled to you. And so just this idea of I did the best I could with what I had, and that was what was modeled to me. And so that's what I model to the model or see in the family. You know, that brings up a point of something Chris and I engaged in as we were kind of wrestling with how did we come to be who we are? Mm-hmm. And and part of that was wrestling with ourselves, but then also looking to our parents and, and seeing the things that were hurtful to us. And, and one thing we were both able to do was to go to our parents and and just get some information, ask them questions mm-hmm. about, about our experiences and, and just checking things out. And I think part of that, what was really impactful for me was then asking them questions about their own childhoods and understanding what were their family rules mm-hmm. and rules that were in play for them. And just to see some of these generational patterns of it makes sense. Right. Like, even though those things hurt me, I can begin to see why some of those things were at play in my home. Right. Well, one of the things I'm interested in is in history and I just like reading about it and learning about it. So one of the questions could also be, how does the cultural experience impact family dynamics? So if we go back in American history to the time of the Depression, when for most people things were really difficult, then it makes perfect sense that talking about how hard things are or how challenging things are would be limited. Everyone was having a difficult time. And so you can almost wonder if it was during that time that, you know, it was necessary and important to be stoic, to be determined, to do whatever you had to do to make it. And in that, needs, um, individual desires begin to get lost because the focus is simply on survival. Mm -hmm. So you begin to understand this is something historic that probably impacted a lot of ways families function. 
and you begin to understand, okay, this wasn't just about my family. It was about a cultural reality that probably influenced most families. I think that's a great, great perspective. I think that makes, you know, that's, that's an important factor in kind of understanding how this rolls down. And me being a, uh, you know, a, a guy from Virginia, the state of Virginia, and Elizabeth being someone from Minnesota, even we just, we saw even that, you know, some of it is, is related to, uh, you know, cultural factors around things like the depression, but mm-hmm. some of it might even be just related to our own, uh, nat- national heritage, mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. Just what, what do the, what does that look like? And how was that passed down? How do we generally speaking, how do folks from those various backgrounds, um, solve problems or deal mm-hmm. with problems or express emotion, that kind of thing? Well, you can well imagine, and again, reflecting on the culture of the depression, this idea of we talked about don't be a bother. Well, if resources are incredibly limited mm-hmm. and you're ba- basically doing everything you can to do to survive as a family, then it does make sense that you begin to learn don't need extra, don't have extra needs, don't ask for anything additional, um, and be grateful for whatever it is that you have. And so, um, again, we, we can look at maybe a, a historical experience that was true for the nation that began to directly impact the way the families begin to fu- uh, function. And now years later, some of those same family rules that were established then continue to influence families now. Definitely. So what was that like for you to, to hear your parents talk about um, how they, maybe they didn't use this terminology, but how they lived and understood their own family rules and how they were impacted by those. Well, for, for me, it was very enlightening. And it, was, it, it, it just, you know, this was all about a quest of sort of raising my awareness. And so um, it was refreshing as well. And also it, it really helped me recognize uh, mom and dad as more of a, like human, and human mm-hmm. humanized mom and right. dad, right? As people. It, as yeah. people, right. Um, you know, you grow up and you, ha- and you have this sort of uh, these ideas about who your parents are, who they should be. Um, but, you know, you get into these, you get into real conversations with mm-hmm. your folks, you know, finally like down the road as an adult. And it's like, oh, I can really, we can really relate to each other here because these are just people doing the best they can with what they have. And so um, it, was just ref- it was just refreshing um, and enlightening to hear what mm-hmm. they had to say. In, in the context of those conversations, did you hear some stories or experiences that you hadn't heard about before that were clarifying and created an understanding in a way that you didn't have before. Absolutely. I think for me, it, it, it gave me such a clear picture on, on who my parents were and what their stories were and created a lot more empathy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just, I would even just say a deeper appreciation and love, you know, it, it didn't mean that some of the things that happened to me still weren't hurtful or I didn't have to grieve or still walk through those things. And yet I think understanding um, what they themselves had walked through, mm-hmm. it began to shed light for me. Well, one of the things I hear is how important intentionality is. You know, it takes an intentional effort to understand how we've been shaped and formed by the past, and it takes an intentionality if we want to understand those family rules. And then in this case, y'all were very purposeful and intentional to have these conversations with your parents. What do you suppose, or maybe they communicated, and what what it was like for them to share those stories? I can speak to that first. I know um, 
my mom was very open. She she was she was more than willing and even excited mm-hmm. to. It was almost like an interview. So I think she just really enjoyed answering the questions and and um, just walking through that experience with me. I think there were parts of that that were hard for her to talk about, but she was very open. Um, my dad, I remember, was very nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think it challenged a lot of things within him of we don't talk about those kind of things mm-hmm. and, and, and we don't divulge those kind of things. And, and so I think, and it meant so much to me that he was willing to still engage in that process, Absolutely. you know, that he still showed up and it showed to me a lot of his care and concern for me that he was willing to do it. And, um, and I, I learned a lot mm-hmm. about him, the things I didn't know before. Well, and I think ultimately our desire is to be known. You know, the way I talk about intimacy is intimacy is when we are known, we are safe and we are connected and our fear is that if I am known, I won't be safe and I will be rejected. But really, the way that God created us is to be known and so to be to invite this safe space where your parents could share probably was very helpful and healing for them. And you're also kind of identifying the power of these family rules. Even if I'm invited, even if there's a safe space, some of those old messages can be very powerful the, the way that I describe it in my, my own family is I think one of our family rules was this belief that if you talk about bad things or hard things, it makes it worse. And so we're not going to talk about difficult things because we don't want to make it worse. I think another one that I kind of picked up was if you love someone, you protect them from your pain. You combine those rules and what you begin to discover is an, a, a kind of an expression of love is silence. So I love my parents. I didn't want them to experience any pain. I didn't want to make things worse. So we just kind of learn that we'll be silent in order to express love. And it's taken years to begin to discover that no, love is being with someone in their pain, not simply avoiding the pain. Mm -hmm. But again, the family rules are powerful and can hold us hostage without a lot of effort and energy to begin to change them. How about for you, Chris? How was that experience of just beginning conversations with family members? That was fantastic. I think it, it, it raises a point, too, that this, that was a gift. That was something that they were available. They were obviously alive and available. They made themselves available for that. But mm-hmm. some of our listeners might find that that's not available to them, mm-hmm. right? They have parents who maybe aren't interested or, or maybe they it's just too painful for them to go there at, the, at some point or what, what have you. There's just a lot of factors involved. And you know, I really feel like it was just a blessing mm-hmm. to, that mom and dad were available and willing to do and have those conversations. I, I was struck by how long they, how, how long they were willing to t- sort of engage in the mm-hmm. process and how much they had to say. Mm-hmm. And so the more questions I asked, it seemed like the more they had to say, and it just seemed like they really enjoyed um, and they, they were, they talked about a lot of hard things. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like this was just sort of positive talk, if you will, or just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't through rose colored glasses. It was a, it was a real picture of what their life was like, what our life growing up. So we, we, we looked at what was life, life like for you growing up? And then what do you think life was like for me mm-hmm. growing up? What was your perspective on what my experience might've been as a kid? Right. That was quite interesting as well, as you might imagine. Um, but they were very open around that. And I think, you know, to kind of just to get back to your question, I just think they really enjoyed the process. They were 
I think I do think there was an element of healing for them mm-hmm. in the conversation as well. Well, and what an amazing gift. I mean, what what's interesting is in, in this idea of telling story is that there were experiences that you did not live through, but because they lived through it, it did shape and form you and it gave you a context to your own story, which is incredibly powerful. Um, but it also, they were able to have a new perspective or give you a new perspective on some experiences that you went through. How many of us would like to know the context or the backstory to some of the things that we went through as a child? Mm-hmm. You know, one one of the principles that I, I seek to encourage in others and within myself is this idea of whatever our families are able to give us, we need to receive. And then whatever they're not able to give us, we need to grieve. So for the listeners who are there and are aware that maybe for whatever reason, some of the, the history is lost, maybe some of the context will never be discovered, that give themselves permission to grieve that loss because it is a loss. Um, and also, if there are some things that uh, the family can give that they're able to receive that and accept that and actually see it as a gift that it is, that your parents' willing to sit, willingness to sit down with you is absolutely a gift that you received, but it was also, I think, probably a gift that they were able to receive also. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You have been listening to Dr. Greg Miller and our special guests today, Chris and Elizabeth Hardesty. Um, I'm your co-host, Randy Everett, and we hope that today's program for you has been uh, beneficial and uh, probably striking very familiar chords uh, within your personal stories as well. We hope that uh, this coming week is going to be a week for you that is filled with many blessings and great vision.